Thank you, Brother Terry. Powerful message in that song. If you brought your Bibles, familiar passage, Matthew 28, we're going to look at verse 19 and 20, and a couple of other chapters or books. But I want us to look at this particular one this morning. As I share a sermon that I've entitled, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Matthew 28, and we want to look at a familiar passage known to us for a long time. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus is speaking. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship you in songs and hymns and praise songs. Thank you for all that you've done through your Son, Jesus, that through him and only him we can have eternal life. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, those who are here who've never trusted your son Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Christians who are here, perhaps, Father, who need to be more committed to kind of real range priorities in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that your word will speak to all of us. We know that you tell us in your word that it will not return void, that it'll accomplish what you send it forth to do. And so we pray, Lord, that we'll listen and allow the Spirit to speak to our hearts. And then at the appropriate time, Father, that we would make those uh, life-changing decisions in our lives. Thank you for all that you've done for us through your Son, Jesus. We make this prayer in his name. Amen. You know, all of us, or most of us, perhaps are familiar with Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Uh, some of the last words that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven we here at Mountain View Baptist Church understand these verses to kind of sum up our responsibilities as believers while we're still here on this earth. Uh, the verse literally says, as we go, as you're going. Now, I know the, the English version, King James Version, says, go therefore. Uh, the New King James says, go therefore. The, the original King James says, go ye therefore. And so the point being, as we go, we're to make disciples of Jesus by sharing the gospel, that gospel of Christ found in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And we need to baptize those that we share the gospel with. They receive the gospel. We baptize them, and then we teach them to observe all that he's commanded us. And so we see this as a commission. We see it as an order. We see it as instructions. We see it as command. But we also see it as the great commission. We're on commission with God to reach a lost world to himself. So we see these verses as information to us that we're on commission with God as we seek to reach a world to Christ Jesus. Now the point is the number one duty as a believer is to be an evangelist. Now the word evangelist, the Greek word for evangelist simply means to herald, it means to proclaim, it means to preach, it means to shout, it means to herald. I remember watching some uh, old uh, TV movies and, 
and uh, you'd have the paper boys around these major cities, New York and all these larger cities, Chicago and Los Angeles, and they would be selling papers, and they'd be herald in the paper, hear ye, hear ye, you know, come read this, and they'd give the headline. That's an evangelist, to herald the message, and that's what we've been called to do. Now, what are we called to herald? Well, we're called to herald the good news about Jesus, that Christ came and he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried and he arose again. We're to herald that. That's what we're to herald. Well, why are we to herald it? Because we're on commission with Christ to reach a lost world to himself. Now, you can, you can take a look at our our community, you can take a look at our city, you can take a look at our state, you can take a look at our nation, you can take a, a look at our world, and you'll, you'll probably will agree that we're in a pretty big mess right now in all of those areas. We're really not doing a very good job of preaching the gospel, heralding the gospel. In fact, we're failing at our job because we're, we're on mission with Christ, to reach a lost world to, to him, and we're seeing very little effect. And now there's a reason for that. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. But uh, this week is the week of prayer for our North American missionaries, around 2,500 missionaries plus their families. And we have them spread over North America, 2,500 over North America and Canada. They're vocational missionaries. That means that their everyday job is to share the gospel. Their everyday job is to share the gospel, plant churches, have ministry prospects, serving people. And I thank God for those 2,500 missionaries. But let me ask you this. Do you think that 2,500 missionaries spread over North America and Canada can reach every town, every city, every community, every state in America, plus those in Canada? Do you think they can do that? Of course not. They can't do that. See, the population in America is, is soaring but at the same time, the heart of evangelism in our churches, you would say, perhaps, is on a flat line. You know, when a person's in the hospital and they're connected to a, a heart monitor, they're in the hospital, you know, at times it flatlines. Two things are for certain when that happens. First of all, the person is declared dead unless they can start that heart back. The second thing that happens, you have to arrange for a funeral. And so now there are two things in church health that indicates the health of a church. You know what that is? Church growth specialists say it's Sunday school and it's baptisms. Sunday school and God's people's interest in studying the Word of God and baptism, the only way we have to recognize the number of people that have come to Christ in this church or in our county or in the state or across the Southern Baptist Convention or, or wherever. And so when those two indicators, Sunday school and baptism, completely flatline or they begin to decline, that church is in serious trouble. The days of that church is numbered. So the point is the heart must be revived if it's an organism and the church is a living organism made up of God's people. But the heart is to be revived if the organism is ever going to function for the purpose for which God's created it. 
And so the point being, God created the body of Christians and called them the church to glorify Him, to win souls, to baptize, to disciple the people of the world. That's our call. That's our commission. That's our command. That's our commission. That is our heart as a church. So what are we to do to revive our heart? What are we to do? Wait around and flatline? Wait around and start declining and flatline? So what are we to do? Ask yourself this. Ask yourself, am I a disciple? Am I a follower of Jesus? Am I a follower of Jesus? Look, if you will, to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Notice what the scripture says. If anyone, Jesus is speaking, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus? First of all, it's a personal choice. It's something we choose. We choose to receive Christ into our life, to be a follower of him. You make that decision. It's a personal choice. And then you have to be willing to deny yourself. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. What does that mean? That means to deny my selfish ambitions, to deny all of my selfish interests, to deny myself, and to take up the cross. What does that mean? That means to be in complete obedience to the, to the Lord Jesus. Take up the cross and follow him. What does that mean? It means to walk close beside him and learn of him, saying no to, se- to self and saying yes to him. So if any man come after me, let him deny himself, his selfish interests and his ambitions, take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow me. Let him follow me. So the question, have you made that decision to follow him? Are you following him? Maybe you have in the past, but what about today? You followed him in the past, but what about today? So the question is, are you denying self? Or are you putting Christ first in your life today? Are you denying self your selfish ambitions, your selfish interests, and putting Christ first in your life. Is he priority number one in your life? If he is, that's good. If you're following him, staying close to him, denying those selfish ambitions and interests, that is good. If you're not, then why not? Why not? You see, life is a matter of priorities. You made a priority to be here this morning. Some didn't. wasn't a priority. I understand poor health. I understand all of that. But most of the time, people make a decision whether to attend church or to worship or to serve God, to give, whatever it is. That's a priority or not a priority. We've heard recently about a revival that took, took place up in Kentucky. Everybody was talking about that revival, and, and, and let me just say this, and I believe they had genuine revival in Kentucky, it's, it's not, but it's not all about worship, and it's not all about praise, and we have some of that, there's some of that in revival, but when you look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this is what Christ says about when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, then you shall be witnesses of me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So is the Holy Spirit controlling you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? 
So when the Holy Spirit power comes upon you, what's the evidence of that? Singing and shouting and praising? No, that's included. But what else is included? Being witnesses. Sharing the gospel. Being a part of the commission. That's why he's left us here. We have to remember that. So one way that we know that we're in revival personally and as a church, number one, God will be at the top of our priority list and we'll be sharing the gospel with people. That's how we know that. I'm, that's how you know I'm in revival. That's how you'll know our church is in revival. It's because you can sense the power of God in worship and also as the people go forth to share the gospel. Webster denies, prior, uh, he defines priority as this, proceeding or preceding something else. It's Christ your priority, preceding something else, or precedence in order before something else. Where do you have Christ in your life right now as a believer? The point is, Christ must be your number one priority in your life. He must have precedence in every area of your life. Must have. If any man come to me, let him deny himself all of his selfish ambitions and interests and take up his cross daily and do what? Follow me. So if Christ is at your top priority, if he's your top priority, well then you're where you need to be. Everything else is in order. If he's number one, that's it. Everything else, you're in order. However, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, and he's not your number one priority, everything in your life is in a mess. It's, just, it's in disarray right now if you admit it. Prayer life is a mess. Bible study is a mess. Serving's a mess. Social life's in a mess. Worship's in a mess. Giving's in a mess. Family life's in a mess. So if Christ is not first in your life, there's a good possibility that there's problems at home, there's problems in the school, there's problems on your job, problems in relationship, problems with your finances. You get this ripple effect. Now, some of you that teach, I know Kyle teaches economics, you have this economic ripple effect. If truckers go on a strike, it just kind of it, it ripples down to us, and it begins to affect our, our supply, and we don't get the necessary goods we need. It, it comes down to us eventually. It ripples down. You say, well, Brother Samuel, Christ is not first in my life and everything seems to be okay. Well, the ripple hasn't gotten to you yet. But I'll guarantee you one thing, it will. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God and you've confessed Him as Lord and He's not your Lord, it'll come to you. So this morning, the evidence of a lost world that has convicted the majority of us that our priorities are not in order. Just not in order. So what are we going to do about that? Well, there's two things we can do. Number one, we can just reply with some excuses why things are not going my way and why things, why I'm not serving God and why I'm not doing this and why I'm not doing that. You can make excuses for why he's not number one in your life. You can go ahead and do that. Or you can repent and ask him for his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and rethrone him back in his rightful position in your life as a believer, as Lord of Lord and King of Kings over your life. 
So the question again is this, are you, are you a follower of Jesus? Matthew chapter 8, let's look at that just for a moment. Matthew chapter 8, and we want to look at verses 18 through 22. This, in, my, in this translation I have, the New King James in this particular Bible, there's a heading there that says the cost of discipleship. Matthew 8 verse, verse uh, 18. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came to him. Uh, here comes the scribe. Notice how he addresses Jesus. Then a certain scribe came to him and said to him, Teacher, i.e. Master, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Foxes have hoes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then another disciple, then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let, let, let me be first, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said, Come and follow me. And he said, Hey. One said, I'll go with you wherever you go. The other one says, Well, I will, but flip side. Let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bear the dead. So as a follower of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, three things real quick. Number one, recognize the lordship, his lordship. Submit to his lordship over your life. Now, notice the statement. He, he, this scribe called him master. He didn't call him lord. He called him master. There's a difference. He called him master, i.e. teacher. Teacher, I'll, I'll follow you wherever you go. That sounds good, don't it? You probably have said that. Lord, if you'll just save me, I'll give you my life completely. You ever said that? Or am I the only one? I, I'll give you my life. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. If you'll just save me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'll give you my life. He's, he looked at him as master and teacher, but not Lord, not Kuros, not someone who had all power and authority and control over his life. There are a lot of people today who are no different than this scribe, this, this lawyer, because they just love to hear people teach about Jesus. Notice the scribe was, was following him, tagging along. Why, why was he doing that? To hear him teach. He greeted him as teacher, master. He was, he was learning, 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 learning. All the scribe wanted was just a little intellectual stimulation where he could know more about the Scriptures. And there are people like that today, people who just love to hear the Bible taught. They love eschatology about the end times. They love to hear about heaven and hell, and they love Bible prophecy. Nothing wrong with any of that. The second coming, I'm going to be preaching on that more and more as we get closer to the events but some people, that's all they think about. And the point is, they're more interested in being intellectually stimulated than lordship stimulated. It's what I can understand and hear about the scripture, not what I can give of myself to the Lord. So you may be real enlightened to the scripture, but unless Jesus is your Lord, you're just going to be a, a smart person in hell. That's all you can see about that. 
Romans 10 verse 9 says this, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth because you really believe it in your heart, then you'll be saved. For with the heart, the heart, man believes with the mouth. He confesses that unto salvation. So the first requirement for following Jesus is to submit to his lordship. So have you confessed Jesus is Lord? Secondly, jot this down. To follow Jesus, you must recognize the journey is going to be hard. Look at Matthew 8, verse uh, Verse 20, Jesus said, foxes have hoes and birds, birds of the air have nests. It's going to be hard, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you're going to follow me, you better toughen up. It's not going, it's not going to be all that easy. The scribe, you know, he may have been wealthy, may have had a nice home, may have had a good job, may have had the luxuries that that day afforded him, but uh, Jesus saw something about his heart. And some people refuse to follow Jesus and put him first because they have too much stuff. Too much stuff. I know people today who at one time were great followers of Jesus and Jesus blessed them with a great job. And they started getting all this stuff and started doing all these things and going to all these places. And they don't have time for the Lord anymore. Now... Too much stuff. Jesus is looking for those who are willing to leave it all and follow him. Robert Laurie, 1880, wrote this song. He's wrote several hymns. Christ, uh, Christ arose, low in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior. Wrote Christ arose, he wrote, I need thee every hour. You've heard these hymns. One of my favorite goes like this. Down in the valley with my Savior I'll go. Where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. Everywhere he leads me I'll follow, follow on. Walking in his footsteps till the crown be won. Follow, follow, I'll follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere I'll follow on. Down in the valley with my Savior I'll go. Where the storms are raging and the dark waters flow. With his hand to lead me I'll never, never fear. Danger cannot fright me if my Lord is near. Follow, follow, I'll follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere I'll follow on. Follow, follow, I'll follow Jesus. I'll follow, follow, follow on. To follow Jesus. You have to recognize the Lordship over your life. Recognize the journey's going to be hard. There's going to be some dark waters and dark valleys. And recognize, third, that there can be no excuses. I'll close with this. Matthew 8, 21, 22. Then another one of his disciples said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me. And let the dead bear the dead. And that seems kindly tough way to put it, but that really, he, he was trying to make another point. Uh, people give all kinds, different excuses. Um, people give excuses for not being saved. Uh, I've heard so many, uh, I can't live it, too many hypocrites, some other time, I'm not ready. Uh, just different excuses for why they're lost. Why they're lost is they choose to be lost. That's why they're lost. 
And then people, Christians, make excuses for not being committed. I honestly, I really think this guy, I thought I'd heard them all, but then I came across this guy. And, and it seems to be a pretty good reason, one of the best ones. He said, Lord, let me, let me go bury my father. Now, that seemed like a good reason not to follow Jesus. But most scholars think three things here. Number one, most scholars believe his, pro his father probably wasn't dead yet because normally they would bury them before sundown. Secondly, most scholars believe his father was living and the person wanted to wait for his father to die and then be buried. And then some think that his father may have already been dead. But it doesn't matter what we want to do. When Jesus says, follow me, it doesn't matter what we want to do. It's what Jesus is saying. It doesn't matter what you want to do. Our first priority, our first responsibility is to follow Jesus more so than we do our families. That's the message in that. So today, believers have so many opportunities to serve Christ, but most of the time we offer excuses in which uh, none of us, none of those are acceptable to the Lord. David Ring, you may know David Ring. I've heard him preach a few times and then some on TV, but David Ring is an evangelist and he, he has cerebral palsy. And at one time he's in a wheelchair, I believe he still is, but he's in a wheelchair. And I remember hearing him preach, and this is what he said in the message. He challenged the people to serve the Lord, and he said, I have cerebral palsy. What is your excuse? And there he was preaching the gospel. Some of you who are here in person or viewing or on YouTube, Facebook, listening to the radio, you're hearing the message this morning. And Jesus is saying to you and to us, as he did that scribe, and as he did to me one day, and to many of you, follow me. Come, follow me. And if you're here this morning, or viewing, or listening, if you're lost, the devil's going to have you to believe that you, can't, you can be saved anytime you want to be saved. Shane, was, Shane Clay was teaching uh, uh, Sunday night in about spiritual war, we're in spiritual war, have been for thousands of years. We're in a spiritual war, and, and what we need to have on is the armor of God, and he talked about the belt of truth, and the belt of truth is, is the word of God, if you were here, if you're not here Sunday, Sunday night. It's the word of God, and you can, the word of God is truth, and it's truth because Jesus is the word, he's truth. And so if you want to know the truth about something, go to the word. If you want to know if God created a homosexual, go to the Word and see what the Word says. If you want to know about transgender, go to the Word and see what the Word says. Whatever you want to know, the Word will tell you. The truth is the Word. And the devil will have you to believe that you can be saved anytime you decide to. But let's just fact check that with the Word in John 6, verse 44. Listen to the Word. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up the last day. Now, you can't be saved unless the Lord's drawing you to salvation. So today, the Holy Spirit is drawing some of you. He's urging some of you. He's pleading with some of you to be saved, to come to Christ. You don't think the devil is real? 
right during a, speaking to the lost person what you need to do, and all of a sudden we get a gigantic interruption? Think about that. Think about that. And he's pleading with you, and he's saying you need to be saved today, and you know that you're a sinner, and you know you're separated from God, and you can't save yourself. Brother, Brother Sammy, I'll just be a good person. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you can't be saved when you want to. You can't save yourself. You know that you're without Christ. You know you're already condemned. You're condemned already. Listen to John chapter 3. Listen, John 3, verse 18. Still with me? He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God. And so to believe in him is eternal life, to not to reject him is eternal death. You want to fact, fact check that? Listen to John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So how much more do you want to under, how much more do you need for Jesus to tell you you need to be saved? It's life with Christ, it's death and the wrath of God without Christ. So what's your excuse? It really doesn't matter. And so I'm praying, I'm praying that you choose this morning to follow Christ because he's the only way to heaven. Only way. John, John 14, 6, For I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. So if you're going to go to heaven, it's going to be by Jesus, or you're going to miss it altogether. So what do I do to follow Him? Recognize His Lordship, surrender to that. Recognize the journey is going to be hard. Recognize that all excuses are unacceptable. And Christian, you're included too. There's some today, perhaps, who are saved, but you have Lord Jesus from first to last and last to first. You've taken Jesus first, that was first in your life, and you've placed him last, and you put those things last, and you brought them up to first. And you wonder why things are going the way they're going. Remember, in doing that, you'll experience the ripple effect if your life is not already in a mess, it's coming. And I say that with all love I have. So what are you going to do about it? Two things. Give an excuse why Christ is not your first priority or repent and ask God for his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and rethrone him back upon the throne of your life. Let him be the Lord that he wants to be. You know, we as individuals, uh, as believers, we've been given a commission, we've been given an order to evangelize the world. And um, found this, as, as not original, but person said, No Christian can be a great Christian unless he or she is carrying out the Great Commission as a way of life. And then they said, When the people of a church become Great Commission Christians, then the church becomes what? A Great Commission church. When you come into the parking lot out there, you have the church sign, and on the bottom of that church sign, or near the bottom, it's, it says this, a great commission fellowship. That's what we've been, 
known for. That's what we've been striving for for years and years and years. We don't need to let up now. And you make the circle and you go out. And at the other end of the parking lot on the exit, there's a little sign that's been hit by a lawnmower, but you can still make it out. It says what? You're now entering the mission field. And that's what we're to be all about. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I don't know how to share the gospel. I've been... I've been uh, sharing with some people, and we're fixing to start some training. We're fixing to start, start some discipleship training classes on, on how to share the gospel, how to share faith. It's a simple way to share the gospel. And um, it's my responsibility to, to teach how to share the gospel. But listen to this. It's your responsibility to come and learn how to share the gospel. And so let me encourage you, when you hear the announcements, line up. Be a part. Some of you are already trained. That's great. We just need to start sharing. And so let's put Christ, the top priority in our life, and follow him. Recognize his lordship. Know there's going to be some difficult times. And know that he's not going to accept any excuses for him not being number one in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to share your word and the challenges before us this morning, individually and as this church. And so I pray, Lord, as we make decisions this morning, I pray that people will come. And I pray that those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, realizing, realizing today their lost condition, Father, they'll come and they'll say, Brother Sammy, I, I, I want to be saved. And Lord, they can leave here a different person have a different understanding about eternity. And so, Father, I pray they'll come today. I pray for Christians that are here, and Christians probably who've, who have taken you that was first and put you last and the last they put first. And I pray today they'll change their priorities in regards to their relationship with you, of being, having you their first priority in their life. And so, Father, some are going through the ripple effect right now. They're going through it right now, and I pray that that your Holy Spirit will convince them, Father, that today they need to come back to you and recommit themselves to you. And, Father, help us individually as a church family, Lord, to go out in this community in the days to come. And as we go day by day, build relationships and share the gospel with those that we meet, workplace, at school, at the grocery store, wherever we can find someone. Help us to, in love, share with them how they can know Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation as people make decisions. Some people may need to unite with this church and be a part, get plugged in right here. And so, Father, I pray they'll make that decision today as you lead them to make that decision. In Jesus' name, amen.